Are you one of the 88% of the population who are metabolically dysfunctional? Do you even know? In 2013, my world turned upside down when I was given a terminal diagnosis. My kids were age five and seven. I was terrified. My doctors described me as being metabolically bankrupt and I was given three years to live. With the aid of medical intervention and experimental off-label treatments, I achieved clinical remission, but I was still really sick. Today, I am in the best shape of my life, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Join me here with guest experts as we share how to take control of your health and discover the shocking truth behind the growing endemic of metabolic dysfunction and other deadly lifestyle diseases of modern civilization. I'm your host, Coach Ingrid Uncensored, and this is the Holistic Health Coach Podcast. Hello, friends. I am so happy that you decided to join us today for another exciting episode. I am beyond thrilled to introduce you to today's very special guest. It is the irrepressible Heather Allmendinger. Let me tell you all about Heather. She is a radiant soul whose life took a transformative turn when she became a qualified, certified health coach. She discovered that menstrual periods are vital and they are an outward sign of inner health. Just like blood pressure and heart rate, these cycles shape our physical, emotional, and mental health. Heather took that discovery and became a passionate period and fertility awareness coach who hosts the Embracing Flow podcast. She is on a mission to bring menstruation into the spotlight by educating individuals on how to embrace cycles and guides parents, yes, parents, through these crucial period talks with tweens and teens. Heather, thank you so much for the gift of your time today. We really appreciate you imparting your wisdom upon our listeners. Uh, It is a pleasure being here, Coach Ingrid. I just, I love your show. I am just overwhelmed to be here and overjoyed. Well, and thank you for being one of my launch partners. <laughs> Tell me, Heather, what led you? What led you to this? This is such a oh, a relevant topic. It was one of those taboo things. Oh, we don't want to talk about our periods. And for me, as a mom, I have an eighteen-year-old daughter, and so I've been dealing with this for a little time, a little bit of time. And I'm just really thrilled to have to be in the position where I can have these discussions with her. And as she moves into adulthood and eventually, you know, with the fertility and getting pregnant and everything, this is sort of a journey that I'm excited to go through with her as I'm doing menopause and she's doing puberty. (laughs) Fun, fun, fun. Heather, what what led you to, to work in such a niche market? I went back to school, um, after deciding the corporate world was not for me and I got three Uh, certifications in health coaching, one in pregnancy, one in senior life, and one in family life. I loved the pregnancy piece. I loved my pregnancy. Well, I loved my first pregnancy. It was a very easy pregnancy. Uh, My second pregnancy, I was very happy to be pregnant, but there were complications. I was considered a geriatric mother at 38. 
I love being called a geriatric mother. Yeah, I was too <laughs> at 34. And I'm like, what? Yeah. And I, since I love the pregnancy piece so much and wanted to give support to those beautiful souls raising those, the next generation, uh, I wanted to help them. And hopefully they wouldn't have the journey that I had with my second pregnancy. And I realized when I went into the trying to conceive world that there was a lot of misconceptions and misunderstandings about the menstrual cycle. There were individuals that were misunderstanding how to use the luteinizing hormone or OPK tests. They thought that they could get pregnant at any point in time during their cycle. Um, they were getting frustrated because they were getting negative pregnancy tests at eight days post ovulation, which at eight days post ovulation, you have a 0.05% of getting a positive pregnancy test, but they're not understanding this. They're not understanding the journey. They're not understanding the hormones. They're not understanding their, their menstrual cycle, which is from the time your period starts until your period starts again. They aren't understanding how many days that's supposed to be, how long it's supposed to be, what a good length is, what uh, where it needs to be improved length is, that our periods are an outward sign of our inner health. And when we have a heavy, painful, nauseating period or PMS, that is our body telling us something's not right. Right. It's not normal. It's it's considered, especially in my day, oh, you know, you've got PMS and you've got a heavy period and take some Tylenol. And, and it's like I, I would, you know, literally put my foot through the wall. Um, and my daughter has similar. It's, it's considered normal. But why? Tell me why are these things considered normal? Why is pain and bloating and, and emotions running out of, why is this considered normal? Because we weren't taught that it's not normal. For me, my mother had it. My grandmother had yes. it. For generations, we were told by our mentors that this is normal. Because those that knew this was abnormal or atypical stopped talking or were no longer, that, that story stopped. We stopped celebrating menstruation and we started turning it into something negative. And I would love to bring red circles back. I would love to bring back the celebration of right. first periods. T tell us about the red circle because I attempted to do one with my daughter. I think if we're talking about the same thing, tell us, tell our listeners what a red circle is, particularly for those mums who are right there with their daughters. Uh, the red circle is when a group of women get together, multiple generations. Mm -hmm. So you have those that are postmenopausal, those that are in their reproductive years. And those that are just beginning their menstrual journey or haven't quite started yet, get together and we share stories. We share our journeys. We share the goods, the bads, the uglies, how to improve our reproductive cycles. So that way it's not taboo. We open up that door and we just share. And that for some reason has been completely shut down. I was not blessed with girls. My brother has the girls. <laughs> Favorite Which auntie. He, yes. 
He's he's not a, a a period positive person. You mentioned the word menstruation or blood or period, and he turns like sheet out. white. But my boys, my one will be sixteen, the other one is seven, and I told my my teenager, I said, I know this is an uncomfortable topic for you. However, what I want you to understand is understanding the reproductive cycle in females will help you be a better partner, a better friend a better parent, a better coworker, and a better leader. Because wow. you understand what's going on. You understand that as cycles develop, as we go through our cycles, we have high energy points of time mm-hmm. and we have low energy points of time. You can help women communicate with each other that when one is going into menstruation and the other one's going into ovulation, that they can work together to get projects done. And you can plan that. You can encourage that communication. You can also just, even if not encouraging that communication, you know just by behaviors. You don't have to ask. You can see the behaviors. And you can see that coworker A is going into a lower productivity phase. And and coworker B is going into a higher productivity phase partner those two girls up and your projects are going to get done because they're going to bounce they're going to balance each other out it's that yin and yang and then you know with your partner or your child you see your partner going and eating more dark chocolate you see them craving the salty food Mm -hmm. you see their moods getting a little bit not so pleasant you can look at your partner and go sweetheart You've had a stressful day. Go take a warm bath. Go read a book. Go take a breath of a breath of fresh air. Do what you need to. I'll take care of dinner. I'll take care of the kids and the homework. Can I just I'd love to get a picture of their partner's face. One out of shock, but two, like, oh my gosh, how did I get such an amazing partner to tell that, to say that to me? To know that's what I need. Right. Instead and I of them want my... hiding in their office yeah. with their headphones on because I don't want to deal with crabby wife, whether crabby wife is PMSing or as my case has been the last sort of six, seven years, you know, perimenopause. It's My daughter actually said to me, mom, what's, what's menopause? Is that like reverse puberty? And I'm like, well, that's one way of <laughs> and when you have like mom, like I was in, in, in perimenopause and daughter leading up to, you know, to puberty. And it's like, oh, no, no wonder her father used to just like, I, I'm in my office. <laughs> but I mean, that's just kind of a scapegoat. It's like, you know, we, 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 we shouldn't shoot on ourselves, should have, we don't shoot on ourselves, but it's like, this is the kind of awareness that I love that you're raising, that it doesn't have to be like that. No, it it doesn't. And if we approach it as a relationship builder, it changes everything. Because even in menopause, we and perimenopause, we're changing, keeping that line of communication open with our partners saying, hey, I'm feeling this way. It has nothing to do with you. I'm trying to see that my body's changed. I'm trying to figure out what's all going on. So that way I'm not this crazy witch of a woman. Right. Because I don't like feeling that way. I don't like putting you in a situation like that. 
So it's it's opening and keeping that communication open. Because and we've got to do that through our entire from our entire relationship. Because right. that's going to then continue that relationship once the kids are out of the house. Yeah, because you're right. I mean, the 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 transformation and the change from you know a little girl going through puberty and then particularly for those of us who you know have had children at, you know in our mid 30s instead of 19 and 20 like they used to be it it is different because we are hitting menopause at the same time as our teenagers our boys and girls because boys have their own things that they're dealing with with puberty um at the same time and you know it's like yeah the poor dads are like no wonder they're all having midlife crises and it's no wonder I can see the breakdown in families and marriages and relationships because there's just such a disconnect there. What do you think, what do you know are some of the big factors when it comes to triggering some of these abnormalities that that we know are not normal, such as bloating, cramping, you know, particularly the cramping, the heavy bleeding, the PMS symptoms, What are some of the triggers that you have observed and learned about? Unfortunately, it goes back to what we eat. Ah, ding, ding, ding. Yes, (laughs) and that is what I teach as well. It's so important, isn't it? Yep, the standard American diet. It's sad. It's just sad. it, It is. Just some things to understand. We as females that menstruate, we need more fat. Yes. Good fat. Not margarine. Oh, please. Not vegetable oil. Not canola oil. We need avocado, coconut, olive, salmon. We need those omega-3s. Threes. Because ding, ding, ding. in the standard American diet right now, there is a ratio. There is a recommended ratio of omega-6s, which is the more... Inflammatory. Mm-hmm. Yes, oils. the, the mm-hmm. stuff that you find, the margarines, the vegetable the seed oils. oils. Mm-hmm. Yes. The omega-6 is versus omega-3. Omega-6 is 2 to omega-3, 1. Our standard American diet is 20 omega-6s to 1 omega-3. So guess what that's doing? That is... in increasing our inflammatory responses inflammatory responses leads to bloating leads to headaches leads to cramps leads to brain fog leads to fatigue Mm -hmm. so we have to get those good fats we need those good fats and the other one is carbohydrates oh there we go and i i i speak to those who have type 1 and type 2 diabetes sometimes and i ask them i'm like do you where, where do you pick your foods? Do you use low glycemic and high glycemic? And they look at me like a deer in headlights. Like they've what is never... that? Exactly. What, is, what do you mean low glycemic and high glycemic? I said, well, carbohydrates are a very, very, very large group of foods. They include our pastries, our cakes, our pastas, our breads. They include our vegetables and our fruits. Mm-hmm. So it is a very large group and we cannot demonize the entire carbohydrate group. So if you look at low glycemic, low glycemic is one is foods that hit the bloodstream, but really don't change our blood sugar. 
Right. They don't spike an insulin response exactly. as much as if you eat if you eat some some ghee or olive mm-hmm. oil, your insulin spike is going to be really minimal. Yep. As opposed to if you eat a piece of, you know, pizza. Yep. Or even with me, I have found that grapes give me a higher sugar spike than yes. a raspberry or a blackberry mm-hmm. or a blueberry. Mm-hmm. It's so, so just, it's so interesting the bio individually, uh, you know, approach to everyone. It's like I'm the same. I can eat strawberries, but I can't eat cherry tomatoes. Forget it. My blood sugar will take three days to come back down again. But I can eat cooked tomatoes. So go figure. Yep, and it's it's understanding how your body reacts to those foods, yes. and implementing the foods that minimize that blood spike. And it's usually they want to keep it under 30 points of a blood spike Mm -hmm. because it can take days for us to regulate Mm -hmm. our insulin and i had gestational diabetes with my second child yeah my morning insulins my morning blood sugars were uncontrollable they they were all over the place i was on 60 units of insulin every single morning because i couldn't no matter what i walked I ate good foods. I drank water. I could not get my morning sugars at a level that they liked. And with type 2 diabetes running in my family, Mm -hmm. type 2 diabetes running in my husband's family, I needed to be aware of this. Mm -hmm. So I dived into more of the glycemic index and I live more towards the glycemic index versus other ways of looking at carbohydrates. That way I can have a piece of pie or a piece of apple crisp. Right. And I know, yes, it will spike my insulin and my blood sugar, but I know what to do then. I I can take the steps leading up that it it will minimize that spike. It may not be, it might be 30, but it won't be 50. Right. And then you can mitigate it, the, the consequences, the outcome, the symptoms that you know are probably going to come. Yep. From it. Um, and, and especially, you know, it, it's like at certain periods, like, you know, when you're not going to hit that window of ovulation and, and, and the PMS hits, it's like, we go for the sugar cravings. Tell us a little bit about that, the sugar cravings. And it, it's like, oh, I want to eat all of the chocolate. And I just like, I need to eat the pizza or all the bowl of pasta. How, why does this happen, Heather? And what can we do to kind of stop doing that? How do we stop doing that? <laughs> What can we do? Well, usually cravings are our body telling us we need a certain nutrient. Mm -hmm. So, yes, we crave chocolate. Go for dark chocolate. And you don't need a lot of dark chocolate. Our bodies are craving chocolate probably because we need magnesium. Interesting. So if your body's low on magnesium, dark chocolate and cashews, which are salty, have magnesium in them. If for some reason you're not able to have dark chocolate for dietary reasons or cashews, because I know some have nut allergies, yes, look into a magnesium supplement. Supplement. And be be careful though with which magnesium supplement and when you take it as well. That matters when you take it too. Yes, it does. And depending on what kind you take is more of a diuretic. It can upset your your intestines and cause you more pain than what you really want. But it's it's understanding what your body needs. 
But yeah, it the chocolate and the sweets and the salties, it's your body needing nutrients. Mm-hmm. And by giving those nutrients in the that luteal phase, the luteal phase is the time right after ovulation until the day before menstruation starts. That's the egg has transported its way through the fallopian tubes um, and it's getting ready to implant if it was fertilized. If not, it will be released in your menstruation. That is a long period of time. It is very stable period of time in your cycle. It, it stays the same from month to month. It it takes a good bit of futzing, I guess you could call it, futzing. to change the day, how long it is. It is a very stable time of the month. And knowing what foods to eat, it's kind of the fall phases of your cycle. You figure ovulation is your summer. And right after ovulation, you get into late summer and fall. So you think of the foods that are available in fall. Pumpkins, squash, dark chocolate, um, the, those sweet potatoes. Mm-hmm. These are things that are good to eat during this part of your cycle. Turkey, ham. Think of Thanksgiving. What do we usually mm-hmm. eat right around Thanksgiving? All the fall foods. All oh, the, the fall grounding foods. foods. They're the grounding comfort foods. Yep. And your body likes those foods for this time of the month. Remember to get your protein because you're going to need that protein and that iron for when you go into menstruation. So it's just, it. our body, it's amazing what we can do when you learn what is going on in the cycle that your body goes through knowing what foods to eat when what activities to do when um in the luteal phase of your cycle aim for movement but not hit workouts are great during ovulation it's not all that great to do during the luteal phase maybe in the beginning of your luteal phase but as you get to to the later parts of your luteal phase more yoga and stretching exercises and even during menstruation those stretching exercises, yoga. Oh, important. Minimal movement. You don't have to do a lot of movement. You don't yeah. have to go for a long walk. It can be a walk to your mailbox and back. Some may not even go that far. Just gentle stretching during menstruation. Yes. Because once menstruation starts to end, you get into your springtime. Because menstruation is the winter time. Uh, the follicular phase, when that egg starts to develop, that gets into your springtime. Your energy returns. You can start doing more fun stuff. You can start doing those heavier lifting exercises. And as that egg develops and you get into your ovulation, that's when you can do those heavier lifting exercises. And you feel amazing doing that. And Absolutely. It's cycle it's, it's a really It's a, the release of the endorphins and all the happy hormones and everything, which is so, it's so important. What advice do you have to give? Um, us mums, I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer and there might be some, you know, sort of boomers who just scraped in who have teenage daughters who's, who as we go through menopause <laughs> and then we have our teenage daughters, what advice would you give to um, us mums who are beginning to have that talk with our daughters about menstruation? What tools do you recommend what advice do you have to give to just even begin that conversation 
one, talk to your daughters. Be open with your child about what both all your children about what's going on. Including your sons. Yes. Including your sons, your daughters, your sons, however they identify. Open up those doors. Open up the communication. Yeah. Because the more people understand what's going on, the better. When it comes to menstruation, explain what's happening in the body. If you're not sure, reach out to somebody who does. Right. Don't be afraid to ask for help, right? Don't don't make it weird. You know, ask for help. It's a normal, natural body function. And it's, I think if we set that precedent from the get-go as the, the, the girls start to get, you know, like tweens and, you know, the onset is there to kind of make it okay to discuss it, just like we discussed going to the dentist and flossing. It really shouldn't be any different. No, I mean, boys talk about flatulence all the time. Yet uh, <laughs> that never ends. It, <laughs> exactly. 60 and they're still making fart jokes. Exactly. But for some reason, we aren't allowed to flatulate. We're not allowed to be gassy. We're not allowed to be bloaty. We're not allowed to talk about it. Just like the commercial on, it's a normal part. We can just, you can say food. Well, that, that's another whole process. If you're gassy and farty yeah. to excess, then you need some help with your metabolism and your gut health and you need to look at what you're eating. Exactly. But it's opening up that conversation, yes. being aware of what's going on, setting your daughter up for a successful reproduction beginning of reproduction celebrate her first monarchy her first period give her a good experience i'm not saying throw a party i'm just saying you know what you start seeing the breast buds developing you see the hair on the legs the getting darker the the body odor getting a little bit more pungent hair under the arms you can see it all developing start the conversations Get the products into the household. Yeah. Talk to them about what's going on. And just keep that door open. Because once that door is open, they will trust you to guide them. Right. Once they have started their menstruation, the first year is going to be a little bit funny. Mm, it, They're yep. going to be irregular. It's not going to start and be irregular right away. It's they're going to have their first one. It's going to be almost like discharge. It might be brown with a little bit of red. They may skip a few months. That is normal. It's the hormones ramping up. After the first year, if the periods are still irregular, if there's heavy bleeding, if there's nausea, if there's painful periods, that is an indication that something might be amiss inside their bodies. That's when it might be okay to go and say, hey, you know what? Can I have my daughter checked for her A1C, Mm. her blood sugar? Because if you see that these signs are showing up, especially within the first two years, that's an indication that that she may have issues later in life. Mm, Such as PCOS or endometriosis or any of these other like massive bleeding disorders and things yes. like that. That's really interesting that you say that, Heather, because it never would have occurred to me to get your A1C hemoglobin test done at the onset of puberty. But it kind of makes sense because when you look at the the population in here in the United States 
and you look at the people who are getting younger and younger, usually it would be, you know, women, you know, like I'm like late forties. It's the, that's when you, you begin perimenopause and that's usually when the onset of metabolic disease, such as, you know, pre-diabetes, insulin resistance, all of the things. Um, but it's interesting now that you mentioned that, that we need to be testing and monitoring our, our children earlier because it is affecting, we are having children, tweens and kids in high school who are full-blown type 2 diabetes. So it's interesting that you say that and you see the correlation between metabolic dysfunction and menstrual dysfunction because they're all tied together. They are. Our menstrual cycle is connected to our liver, our kidneys, our thyroid, our brain health, our heart health, our bone health. It is an integrative part of our body. And when we put any type of medication in to tamper down our reproductive system, it is affecting every single system in our body. It's not just our reproductive system. It's messing with everything. Yeah. And I can, I can see it. I can see it, especially affecting not just the metabolic health of, of our young people and also, you know, women. Especially, you know, like as we're trying to deal with, you know, the babies and the toddlers and all of the stress of life and all the distractions and everything I could, you know, I know from personal experience and from working with my own clients with metabolic dysfunction, how important that that food is and that knowledge, like you don't know what you don't know. The doctors don't know what they don't know. They're trained to diagnose, prescribe a pill or cut you open. And that's just, I'm, I'm not knocking doctors because they, I've had some amazing doctors who, who've saved my life. I literally would be dead, but it needs to be more of an integrative approach. And, and I, you know, there's, there's so much that we don't know. And yeah, I, I, I really hope that this next generation are going to be more open about it and, and, and realize that a lot of this stuff is preventable. It's preventable. Yes, it, it is. It's a matter of, and yes, with when it comes to doctors, just understand they did not have, they had maybe a course in nutrition, maybe mm -hmm. a single class in nutrition. They are doctors of medicine. That's what they were taught. Right. They weren't taught nutrition, which is why when you go and you say, I have an upset stomach, they prescribe you or heartburn, I they prescribe you Pepsid. Ooh. Or they prescribe you some sort of medication and the purple of saying, pill. Oh <laughs> which has been uh, linked to dementia. Yeah, let's not go there. Yeah. Yeah. It's they will prescribe you a medication when if you look at with some of the medications, you're not allowed to have grapefruit because yes. it will cause negative reactions because mm -hmm. guess what? Grapefruit will help your body do what that medication's doing. Um, so it's, it's understanding Whoa. your body. It's, I know we're going into a realm of, of yeah, we're getting down that rabbit hole, right? Which we're we don't have... want to go into. We need to get you back for part two. Oh my goodness. I, I there's just, when it comes to cycling and our, our menstrual cycles, it's listening to our body, leaning in, understanding that we go through, it is a cycle and it's not just bleed and not bleed. There are so many things going on, so much communication between our brain and our ovaries. It, there are Our bodies have 50 hormones that regulate different things. Our reproductive system includes 12 of them just 
to ovulate and to have a menstrual cycle every single month. Twelve, a quarter of the hormones in our body are used for our menstrual cycle. And then you add in all the other hormones that are, they're not directly involved, but they're involved. So it's, it's not something we want to mess with. I, I right. can go down the rabbit hole of hormonal birth control oh, and yeah. the, what that's linked to. Hormone replacement be, therapy and all of the things. That can be a whole other, other episode. We, we, we will get you back for sure because <laughs> we could talk about this all day. Heather, if our listeners want to um, find you, track you down, um, tell us where we can find you and and what tools, education, et cetera, do you have to offer? I have, I can be found on Facebook. I can be found on LinkedIn. I can be found on Instagram. I have my website. All these links will be in the show notes. Yes. If you are dealing with PMS, I have an e-guide for you on four ways okay. to decrease PMS. It's the four pillars that I talk about. If you are dealing with that tween or teen that's getting ready to menstruate and you're not too comfortable talking about them or you're not sure yourself, I have an e-guide for you. It's a free e-guide that dives into the female reproductive tract, the horn a couple of the hormones, what to expect, and if that child is menstruating, how to start cycle syncing and becoming more involved in understanding what's going on in their body. And that link will be in, in the show notes as well. That that's awesome. And you know, I'm I'm going to be sharing this out with all my um uh, friends, mom friends who are dealing with teenagers and even, even, you know, late teens and college kids, because they still are trying to figure it out. I, I don't, it's not too late, is it? Even no. though you've been menstruating for a few years, it's not too late, is it? No, I'm in late perimenopause and I just started cycle syncing a year and a half ago. It has made an absolute complete difference in my life. I was on antidepressant medications. I'm no longer on them. I had painful, heavy, nauseating cycles. Mm -hmm. I actually, I, I know people are look at me funny when I say this. I enjoy my period. Right. It's a gift. It is a gift. It's it is a, a report gift. card every single month for my body saying, did I take care of my body Myself. correctly this month? I, if I have cramping, I know I didn't support my body right. Yeah. Usually my periods, I know when they show up, they're maybe a mild cramping if that there they are there i go through the system it's not heavy it's a medium flow and they go away and i'm like oh yeah. my my partner doesn't want to run away from me yes my kids love to spend time with me <laughs> <laughs> but i did this in my mid 40s yeah. so it is not too late whether you're just starting out your journey or you're at the end and you're getting ready to transition it's not too late. I talk to women who have been 11 months without a period and get oh, a yeah. period again. And they call me and they're like, what did I do? I'm like, it, it, it didn't really do anything. Nothing. It's your body saying it wasn't quite ready to stop. Right. Right. You're amazing, Heather. You are just such a, have such a wealth of knowledge and information. And uh, it has been an honor and a privilege to have you on my podcast Thank you so much for the gift of your time. Friends, 
Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Holistic Health Coach. I am your host, Coach Ingrid Uncensored. We will see you all next time. Thank you for joining me on this week's episode of The Holistic Health Coach podcast. If you enjoyed it and learned something new, please follow the show and submit a rating and review on iTunes. Visit my website to download a free DIY tool to kickstart your own health transformation. Until next time, remember, you are one decision away from a completely different life. What will yours be?